0: Ready to rock today, Fire Nation, JLD here, and welcome to episode 1883 of EO Fire, where I chat with entrepreneurs on fire seven days a week, and today's guest is none other than Ryan Dice. Ryan, are you prepared to
1: ignite? I'm already on fire. Yes. I'm already ignited. It's, it's happened. <laughs> it happened even before I signed up. I was so excited. Yeah, before I, I, I love it. In. Fire Nation, Ryan, if you
0: don't know this already, is a co-founder and CEO of digitalmarketer.com and host of the traffic and conversion summit which is the largest digital marketing conference in north america he's the founder of dozens count them dozens of companies selling everything from makeup brushes to crossbows to even industrial water filters ryan take a minute fill in some gaps from that intro and give us a little glimpse of your personal life
1: yeah. So I mean, the, the only thing I would add to that intro is that maybe it makes me sound cooler than I deserve because you hear about all these different <laughs> businesses and things like that. What that really means is I suffer from an extreme case of entrepreneurial um, ADD. And so if I were actually to focus on any one of those things, I'm sure that uh, I would probably be a lot more successful and have a lot more free time. But that doesn't sound like very much fun to me. So as a result, instead, yeah, we've, we've uh, scaled our different systems and processes in lots and lots and lots of industries, lots of different verticals and, and product types. But what's cool about that that is when I talk about it through Digital Marketer, uh, it means that that the things that we teach, I know that they don't just work when you're selling marketing stuff to marketers. You know, it works across all of these different industries and verticals. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, Aside from that, uh, let's see, married for almost 15 years, four awesome kids. And so I don't ever really get to do uh, anything alone. I guess that's the best way. I'm constantly (laughs) surrounded by human beings. But, uh, but it's great. Yeah, great great life, good good times.
0: But now you have this great podcasting studio we were talking about. Can't you kind of hide away in there a little bit?
1: I am, that's exactly, I I, I totally <laughs> forgot that we were even doing this. I was actually just in the studio curled up in a ball hiding from strangers. <laughs> totally so, in the fetal position, I love yeah, it. Yeah, the, the timing worked out.
0: Ryan, you are really, really good at a lot of things. You're great at a few things, but what would you say the one thing is that you would say is your area
1: of expertise? Yeah, the thing that we've always been good at and that frankly has saved my butt more than a few times is I'm really good at acquiring customers profitably, right? Profitably and predictably. So any market we go into, we can generally figure out, okay, this is how we're going to go about converting, you know, turning strangers into friends, into customers, into raving fans. And, and that process has really formed the foundation uh, of, of everything that we do. And, and that's, you know, if you can get customers, there's a lot of stuff you can be bad at and, and still make things work out. So, what's
0: something that you find over and over again that entrepreneurs just struggle with when it comes to that area of expertise of acquiring customers profitably and predictably? What's something that we all struggle with that you think that we should really know as entrepreneurs that we just frankly don't?
1: It's coming up with a clear and concise way to articulate your value to someone who has no idea who you are. So oftentimes when we start a new business, the first people we talk to are friends and family, and that's great, but because they already know us, when we tell them about our idea, they're like, "Oh my God, that's genius. Right, I think it's great. Now, when you got to strangers, they're like, "Okay, I don't understand uh, exactly what the heck is is going on." So, figuring out how to clearly and concisely uh, articulate, okay, this is the value that we bring, and value means this is how we change people. You know, I, I say all the time, this is your job if you're in business. You got one job and one job only, and that is to move people to shift them from less desirable before states to a more desirable after state. Right? Like, that's it. That's all you do. Whether you're selling a product or service, you're shifting people from less desirable before states to more desirable after states. And all, you know, marketing and copywriting really is, is articulating that. Uh, and so that's the thing that we've gotten pretty good at. And that's the thing I found that most entrepreneurs struggle with because they're so dang close to it. Okay. Number one, you have a
0: lot nicer friends than I have. All my friends say, John, that idea is horrible. And then I actually get into that fetal position and crawl up and cry for a little while. So uh, kudos to you for having good friends.
1: Yeah, actually it's my, my friends are evil. It's actually my my mom. That's like, I think it's a great idea. (laughs) My friends are just pure evil.
0: So I kind of maybe want to just finish up with this question by saying like, how do we get in front of people that aren't our friends to ask them these questions and to figure out if it's a good idea or not, or what they really need, et cetera. Like how do we get in front of people that don't know us?
1: Yeah, such a great question. Most of the people listening are going to, unfortunately, hate my answer, and that's you have to go out into the world and talk to strangers. And I know that strangers want to stab you and sell you drugs and all that <laughs> kind of stuff, right? That's what we were taught. But I'm telling you, um, what I've always done is I'll go to trade shows, and it doesn't matter. You know, when, when we initially acquired, uh, you know, you mentioned I owned an industrial water filter manufacturing company for a while. You know, spoiler alert, I didn't know anything about that industry when we acquired that company. So I went to the next trade show that we were going to, and I talked to people, and I learned a lot. And I learned what the customers wanted. And for example, we found out, I mean, just a really quick story that we thought that what people wanted were, you know, their filters that to be the the cheapest or, you know, the best. What we found out is nobody actually cared about that because in general, a filter was a filter is a filter, what they needed. And we asked them straight up, like, so why do you buy from us? It's a commoditized industry. Why buy from us? And the thing that we kept hearing again and again and again is you guys can get us the filters fast. You can You know, when when we run out and if you're running, for example, a desalinization plant, which you probably have, right? You live in Puerto Rico, right? So you're on an island. You probably get all your stuff through a desalinization plant. If that desalinization plant runs out of sediment filters, that's it. The plant shuts down. A $14 filter could shut down an entire plant. Now, I didn't know that. I didn't think about that. I didn't understand how the stages of filtering worked and where we fit in that particular stage. So the person tells us like, look, $14, $14 and 80 cents, $15. It doesn't matter if I don't have this filter, the entire operation shuts down. And so in hearing that, I said, okay, so our, our, you know, my job, I don't care what I'm selling. I need to shift customers, our customer from a less desirable before state to a more desirable after state. So what's their less desirable before state Well, they're living in constant fear, this procurement manager, this warehouse manager that they're going to run out of this cheap little item. It's going to bring everything to a screeching halt. They're going to get fired right? So how can we overcome that fear? We can change up our value proposition and stop talking about how great it is, which is what every, everybody else to about. Oh, my product is so great. Our customer service is so great. Screw that. Nobody cares how great you are. They care about their particular thing, right? So in this case, their particular thing is I need to know that it's, it's there quickly. So we said, okay, here's the deal. You order from us, you're going to have it in 48 hours or less, even if we got to eat the shipping, Wow. right? And we completely rebranded the entire company to rapid filter, We'll get you filters faster, right? So everything changed, but I never would have done that had I not gone out and talked to people. Uh, when we launched Digital Marketer HQ, which is kind of our flagship training and certification program at Digital Marketer, you mentioned Traffic and Conversion Summit, yep. right? We had three thousand attendees. This was a couple of years ago. This year, by the way, we're expecting over six thousand, just crazy. But a couple of years ago, we had about three thousand people in the room, and I was planning on selling our certifications, right? Because that's what we had and it would make sense like while they're there. Uh, I didn't do that though. Uh, Instead, I sold this new program, HQ, which is all of our certifications in one area designed for team training. Uh, But it had the problem, and this is a big, big problem. It didn't exist yet. So what we did is we had budgeted. We expected to sell about a half a million dollars worth of certifications at that event. I gave up all of that revenue and instead said, we've got this new thing that's coming out. It's going to be awesome. It doesn't exist yet. But uh, I'm going to be at the digital marketer booth all day, and I just want to talk to people. And so instead of collecting $500,000, I sat at my booth and had hundreds of conversations with people, Mm. which as an introvert is terrifying, (laughs) but in that one day... And that one day I gathered millions of dollars worth of information. All the copy was written, everything because I talked to human beings who were our customers in the flesh. I figured out what our ideal sales conversation is. I figured out what the hook is. And I'm good at this stuff, but I'm only never right when I try to come up with it on my own. When I talk to customers first, then that's when we can figure it out. And you don't even have to be that good. You just have to be willing to do the work.
0: So, Ryan, you're a big deal in the entrepreneurial world. I mean, people know you. And, you know, just proof of concept here, you know, I do 30 interviews in two days. I I book two days a month. I do back to back interviews, 15 on one day, 15 on the second day. So, yesterday morning when I was starting this, you're actually number 24 of of 30 today. So, uh, of the last two days, I took a picture of my calendar, posted it on Facebook. And so there's 30 names up there. And underneath that, you know, a lot of people are commenting and stuff. And all of the people were just saying, oh my God, I can't believe you're interviewing Ryan Dice, Ryan Dice this, Ryan Dice that. And Fire Nation, I think you're hearing why uh, people feel this way about Ryan, because, you know, he he shares the specific examples. He walks the walk, he talks the talk. But I still have to be honest, Ryan hasn't always just been talking rainbows and unicorns. I mean, he's had some tough times, too. We all have. And Ryan, that's what I want you to share with us right now. I want you to take us, Fire Nation, to your worst entrepreneurial moment to date. Take us to that moment, Ryan. Tell us that story.
1: This is surprisingly difficult to pick, actually, because I've had some bad ones. Um, There's been a lot, but there was one in particular. It was like the only time in my adult life that I actually cried. I was sitting on the couch. It was about 10 years. I'm I'm almost coming up on the 10-year anniversary of this happening. This was about nine years ago. um, And I'm sitting on my couch, and it's a Sunday night. I remember it just like it was yesterday. Sunday night, sitting on the couch next to my wife. Kids are in bed you know, enjoying the evening. And I get a call and it was my accountant. And I now know that it's that it's bad when your accountant calls you on a Sunday night. Right. And then my accountant said words like that went something like this, you know, hey, Ryan, I want to make sure that we chatted before we get into this week, um, because, wow, you had a really good year last year. Okay, I now know that it's bad when your accountant says, wow, you had a good year last year. That's not actually a compliment. Accountants don't care about that. That's their (laughs) code of saying, you owe so much more in taxes than you have set aside. Please tell me that you have some money squirreled away because from the quarterlies, all this is not there. And it turned out, now I was in about a quarter million dollars worth of debt to the IRS. Now, the truth of the matter is I didn't have the money squirreled away. Um, anywhere. The the business was doing okay. But prior to that, I got myself in another hole where I was a quarter million dollars in debt to credit card companies. And I just dug out of that hole. And the way that I dug out of that hole was by not paying taxes, right? And, uh, and, and and that was really, really stupid, right? Because if you're not going to pay somebody, um at least pay the ones that own missiles right that's just a good rule for life <laughs> that's a writer downer i'd do that pay the ones with missiles and who can throw you in jail um uh, and honestly i thought it was better and it's not like i was driving lambos and everything like that i was i was like a lot of entrepreneurs right i'm, I'm reinvesting the company i'm trying right. stuff some of it's working out a lot of it isn't making lots of money not keeping that much not really knowing what the heck i'm doing in there and i just remember hanging up the phone and you know just sitting there next to my wife and i got you know i got at the time it was, you know, three kids asleep, uh, upstairs. Actually at the time, I'm sorry, it was only two kids asleep upstairs. Um, got a couple of kids asleep upstairs. And I'm just like, I remember just sitting there like by myself, like crying, like I was like, I don't have it. We don't have it. I don't know how I'm going to do this. We're going to, you know, I'm going to have to like sell the house and we're gonna have to do all this stuff. And I, you know, I failed, I failed in every way, shape or form. And I sat there and must've just pouted and cried for a good 30, 45 minutes. And so my wife said nothing. Um, and then after I was kind of done, she said, well, I don't understand why you're so upset. You'll figure it out. You always do. And I remember then being like, thank you. You know, it's, it's like it was a compliment, but it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to hear at that moment. Like I wanted the sympathy, but my wife knows me well enough to know that she needed to encourage me in that. And she needed to tell me like, look, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere, but you'll figure this out. You always do. And and to her credit, so the phone call came on a Thursday night. Uh, I had to write a check by Thursday to the IRS. And I asked my wife, I said, can I just have 24 hours to mope? Just give me 24 hours to mope and feel sorry for myself. Said, fine, you got 24 hours. So I spent all of Monday moping. um, And then it was, you know, I think the phone call came in around like seven, eight o'clock the the night before. So around seven, eight o'clock the next night, I got busy. I got to work. I was creating new offers, writing copy. Fortunately, I did have a number of businesses in a number of different markets so I could produce a bunch of different campaigns. And I pulled an all-nighter and crafted like six different sales and promotions and campaigns. And um, by the time Thursday rolled around, I had generated enough in sales to not only send a check uh, to the IRS for what I owed, but I also sent them a check at the same time for the revenue that was generated to pay for uh To pay the taxes I just made, so I was literally at zero, and zero felt so amazingly mm. good. if you've ever been in debt um in a big, big way, and unfortunately, I have right I mean that's yeah, I've been really irresponsible and and didn't manage cash flow well at all uh boy, boy, broke can feel real good. <laughs>
0: So Ryan, let's maybe for Fire Nation, just sum this up in one or two sentences as the biggest lesson learned that you want our listeners to walk away with from
1: that moment in your life. It sounds simple. Um, pay your taxes, manage your cash flow, right? No, every single day from that day, I get a I get a report from my bookkeeper of here's how much cash you have in the bank. And so I don't, I mean, yes, look at P&Ls, look at all those things, but if you're not managing your cash And that's not something that you're looking at every day while you're growing. Cash is the fuel that will grow your business, right? This entrepreneur on fire, you need some fuel, you need to be ignited. That's going to require some freaking cash. You can have all the energy in the world. You can have the best idea in the world. If you don't have any cash to fuel your idea, you're going to fizzle out. So watch your cash like a hawk.
0: You are so on brand with this interview. I love it, brother. And you've had a lot of good ideas, Ryan, over the years. In fact, maybe you've even had too many. You you can have too many good ideas. But what I want to know is one of those great aha moments that you had. Maybe it was in the shower. Maybe it was driving to work. Maybe it was on a run on the bay there in San Diego. Like, What is one of those great aha moments that you had? And tell us that story, but then walk us through how you turned that idea into the success that it is.
1: I started my very first business from my college dorm room in 1999, right? And, and the whole reason I did it was just to make some extra money because I wanted to buy an engagement ring. I mean, I'd met my wife. I hadn't told her yet that we were going to get married because I would have been freaking weird because we'd only been (laughs) dating for a few months. But like I kind of knew, right? I kind of knew like this is the one and I'm broke. So I should probably figure out a way to to make some extra money because I was a full-time student and I had a full-time job and that just allowed me to eat. Um, There was no extra left over. So, uh, you know, it's the first kind of dot-com boom, like I'm going to start an internet stuff. And and so I, I started... You know, I started little stupid little websites on stupid little pieces of software and ebooks and things like, you know, things like that. And none of it had anything to do with marketing, right? I mean, there's literally stuff on how to make your own baby food, all these little niche subjects. (laughs) Well, back then, you know, you think about the early 2000s, nobody was doing this stuff. But that was when you first started having marketing conferences. So I went to these conferences as an attendee. Um, you know, and I'm like the kid, and so everybody's asking me questions. Because they want to know, literally, who's this child who's here? I wasn't even old enough to drink. <laughs> uh, I couldn't rent a car when I went to these places. Right. I'd, I'd have to go and like get a taxi because before Uber. So uh, I went. Before too long, they want they asked me to speak, and I remember the very first time I had a speaking engagement. When I was done, people said, "Okay, like, do you have a book? Do you?" Uh, can you, I was like, no, I don't have time to book. I'm busy busy running these businesses. Well, can you do consulting? Like, no, I don't really have time to do consulting. I'm, I'm like a student. I have these businesses. Well, you know, what do you have? What can we, what can we buy? And I remember thinking, and I told her, but I said, look, I'm starting a brand new project Um, where I'm going to be launching this, this new property over here if you guys want to give me like 500 bucks, I'll I'll send out some emails and and things. I didn't know how to record videos before ScreenFlow and all that stuff. I was like, I'll just send out some emails with some you know pictures showing you guys what I'm doing um, as I build this thing out for the next 60 days. And I remember just this flood of people giving me all this money. And I was like, okay, there's something here. And what was great is I didn't just use that money and put it all in my pocket. I used that money to fund my businesses. But that kind of first idea of like, why don't I just be an open book? Like, why don't I open source my test results and open source my processes and just kind of let people see behind the curtain? You know, at the time, nobody was doing that. Everybody was holding everything very, very, you know, close to the close to the vest. And, and when I said, no, look, you can come and see it, warts and all. And out of that general idea, that's what Digital Marketer is today. You know, Digital Marketer existed long before the Digital Marketer brand existed, long before we did Traffic and Conversion Summit, long before really I even had my own formal email list. I was just sharing and talking about what I was doing. So that first kind of idea of let me get there and open source my ideas. Let's sell off the our raw materials uh, and, and see if anybody wants to buy it. That again, going back to cash and fuel, that was the thing that fueled a lot of my entrepreneurial endeavors and allowed me to, to do that without going and seeking outside capital.
0: Fire Nation, I hope you're recognizing that the foundation, the core of what's made digital marker, of what's made Ryan Dice, you know, who he is and the business that he has today, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed from that day one. So build that foundation, build that core the right way and grow from that point forward. And Fire Nation, if you think Ryan's been dropping value bombs thus far, um, you're right. He has. And we got more coming up in the lightning round after we get back from thanking our sponsors. As a business owner, peace of mind can be hard to come by. For me, having peace of mind for my website is huge. I want to know my website is safe and fast because I know if my load times aren't on point or if an attack happens, that means my visitors are going somewhere else. That's why I want to tell you about Encapsula. Encapsula protects and accelerates over four million websites every day from individual bloggers all the way up to Fortune 500 companies. In a nutshell, it sits between your servers and your customers to protect you and them. Encapsula's custom software and servers, plus their 24-7 operations team, keep everything up and running so you don't have to worry. Get a free enterprise trial of Encapsula services when you visit lp.encapsula.com slash 2017 podcasts. That's lp.encapsula.com slash 2017 podcasts. I get a lot of questions about my daily habits, specifically around my morning routine. Something I've always loved about my mornings, my coffee. But I kept finding that with coffee, I'd get a great rush of energy, followed by a quick crash. And that more often than not, I get this acidic burn in my stomach. Thankfully, not too long ago, I heard about another type of coffee on Ben Greenfield's podcast that could help me with all of this. Mushroom coffee from Four Sigmatic. Mushroom coffee. Coffee? Yes. But it doesn't actually taste like mushrooms. It tastes just like regular coffee. And I love that it gives me a strong and steady energy force that lasts the entire day thanks to the active ingredients Lion's Mane Mushroom. See for yourself. Visit foursigmatic.com slash fire and enter promo code fire for 15% off your order today. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash fire. Promo code FIRE. Ryan, are you ready to rock the lightning rounds? Let's do it. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: This is gonna sound arrogant, but nothing. Um uh, my favorite superhero growing up as a kid was Bruce Wayne. Right, not Batman, Bruce Wayne. I love that his like superpower was that he was rich. And I don't know, I just, my, my parents asked me like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, a millionaire, you know? And because I was like, Bruce Wayne's a millionaire. He seems really, really cool. Kind of gets to do whatever he wants. And my parents, I came from a, you know, lower middle-class family and they both were like, that's great, you can do whatever you want. My mom was a hustler. I saw her starting businesses. And so as far as I was concerned, that's kind of just what you did. Uh, and, and so, and nobody ever questioned I was I was very, very lucky in that regard. I feel, um, I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed by people who, uh who, have that resistance and, and they have people in their life that don't encourage their dreams and they power through, but I would be doing them a disservice if I pretended like that was mine. Um, I was very, very blessed in that regard. What's your
0: superpower? Being rich. Love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever received?
1: I remember the only job that I ever had was uh, as a financial consultant and I was having this conversation with my branch manager about like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And He's like, let me stop you right there, son. Stop talking. Go sell some stuff. And that that his words still ring in my head. And I say that to my team all the time. Stop talking. Stop screwing around. Stop planning and do, just go sell something. Just go sell some stuff and figure it out. What's a personal habit that contributes
0: to your success?
1: I make sure I mean, with four kids, I can't do extensive time blocking Four kids and like 40 something companies. I can't like plan out every hour of every day, every minute. But what I can do is say, this is the one thing that if I only get this one thing done tomorrow, it'll be a good day. And this is the one hour that I'm going to block out. So literally on any given day, I block out one hour and I let life happen kind of the rest of the time. But what's amazing is if I get that one hour in, one hour turns into two, turns into three. But if I try to plan more than that, Something happens, life happens, business happens, kids get sick. I don't get into it and I feel like a failure and I tend to fall off. So uh, so that one thing, one hour is the habit I've been able to keep that's maybe more productive than anything else.
0: Well, quick side note, thank you for blocking off these 30 minutes. I'm grateful. I know Fire Nation is too. And if you, Ryan, could recommend one internet resource, what would it
1: be? I love the Pocket app. Uh, cause I come across stuff all the time. That's like good that I don't have time to read. So I can go and I can drop it in, you know, a good blog post, something like that, drop it in pocket. And that's kind of limbo for me. And then I'll go and consume it. So one day a week, usually over the weekend, I'll go through all the stuff that I add into pocket and then it either gets categorized in Evernote for storage and, and, or it gets implemented or it's just cool. I read it, check and it's gone. So having that limbo state for all this information that's hitting us using the pocket app has been big. And by the way, Fire Nation
0: gets on Digital Marketers Newsletter and you'll be pocketing every one of those. Just pure gold. Recommend one book, Ryan, and share why.
1: Ooh, one book. Okay. That's like which one of your kids is your favorite. <laughs> um, Sarah, of course. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Wizard of Ads uh, is a book written by uh, my friend Roy Williams, my, my mentor in business and marketing. Roy's a radio ad man. I think radio it's the closest to what web writing is today, you know, because if you think about how we're consuming like Facebook, it's very quick, it, it's very passive, there's other stuff flying by. It kind of resembles driving down the road, listening to the radio. So if you can learn to write good radio spots, you can write for the web. Um, Hacking Growth, the new book by uh, Sean Ellis, I thought was really great. Ready, fire, aim. And bonus, going back to the cash management stuff, Richest Man in Babylon. Yeah. Richmond has set aside 10%. Holy crap. So you said one, there's four. (laughs) Let's end today on fire,
0: Ryan, with you giving us a parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you or just whatever you have going on in this world that you want Fire Nation to take action on. And then we'll say
1: goodbye. Yeah, just head over to digitalmarketer.com. If you go like midway down the page, we list all of our most popular blog posts and there's one called Customer Value Optimization. It sounds a little bit boring, but it totally revolutionized the way that we do business. So what I talked about, about, you know, figuring out how are you going to go about acquiring customers profitably and predictably? That's really the post that I point people to. So if you want more info on that, go check that out. Like I said, digitalmarketer.com. Scroll down, click the link, you'll find it. In a parting piece of guidance. And kind of the big thing that I would leave everyone with is get good at describing the value that you bring concisely, right? Make put out there what's the there before state. What's their after state? And begin describing. It's really, really simple. You know, so right now you're probably feeling this. By the time you know, you've gone through our product or you know utilize our services, you'll be in after. If you, can be, if you can learn to articulate that shift from the before state to the after state, you can become an amazing copywriter and an amazing marketer.
0: Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with RD and JLD today, so keep up the heat. And head over to eofire.com, just type Ryan in the search bar His show notes page is going to pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. These are the best show notes in the biz. Timestamps, links galore. And of course, head directly over to digitalmarketer.com. Scroll down to the post about customer value
1: optimization.
0: Killer. And Ryan, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Thanks, buddy. Big fan. Pleasure to be on it.
0: Hey, Fire Nation. Hope you enjoyed our chat with Ryan today. And... It's time to accomplish your number one goal in 100 days. So visit thefreedomjournal.com and use promo code podcast because I want to thank you with a discount for listening to my podcast. I'll catch you there, Fire Nation, or I'll catch you on the flip side. Encapsula protects and accelerates over 4 million websites every day from individual bloggers all the way up to Fortune 500 companies. Get a free enterprise trial of Encapsula's services when you visit lp.encapsula.com slash 2017 podcasts.